Well, hi and welcome to another new episode of my podcast titled The Truth for Youth. My name is Ventus St. Jean, your host. And in today's episode, we're going to be discussing the topic how to deal with injustice. Now, I know that with the things that we have been seeing in our world, much of the injustices that we see on a day-to-day basis, especially the one we've recently experienced believe that it's timely for us to understand what it truly means as to how as a people as a nation as a country as humans how we ought to navigate through these unimaginable misunderstanding times we're living in. So join with me on this episode as we contemplate how to deal with injustice. A hundred years ago, and the black man still is not free. These are the very words echoed by the great and late Martin Luther King in his probably one of the most prolific speeches ever given. He paints the struggle of injustice that was promised to be put to an end by the Emancipation Proclamation which was signed almost a hundred years ago. But the very speech speaks out on the very injustices that it lacked to deliver. It speaks out on the very failure of the carrying out of the intentions of those words 
standing behind him during that speech was the very man statue who signed that very paper Abraham Lincoln a hundred years seems very far but unfortunately we've only come to another five decades of the same injustices implied in that very sentence but not too far after that speech Martin Luther King himself would face the same fate the man who was sitting behind him on that stage faced as well an assassination is a story where Robert F Kennedy had the task of giving a speech after the assassination of MLK and in that speech he really struggled with words to answer to give a response to the people and he mentioned something very profound he said we all have a decision to make you can either get angry mad seek revenge on the white man but i want you guys to know that even my brother JFK was assassinated by a white man Robert F Kennedy poured out his heart he sympathized with the people he empathized with the people and he pleaded with them that in every crisis our country has always rose above it and became stronger and that we always pulled through we always came together and that unity would bring strength love would bring hope and understanding would bring enlightenment and that violence would do no good and rewarding evil for evil would only make things worse and possibly destroy the very 
possibility of freedom. And it is throughout all ages that many have fought for the freedom of all. That many who are not afraid to lose their life would stand for those who felt theirs were threatened. And in many of these heroic stands, uncompromising stance, an unswerving commitment to the freedom of the oppressed, fall these words. Give me liberty or death. Justice for all. By any means necessary. Black lives matter. All lives matter. I can't breathe. The endless hashtags, mottos, and movements only point to the endless motions of injustice. And it amazes me that men can be far advanced in technology, but less advanced in morality. What our world need is not flying cars and the discovery of life in another planet. We don't even know how to treat our own. I highly doubt the discovering of another life in another planet would mean good for the very life that is found there. We would only pose as a threat and destruction of that very life if there be. I highly doubt the curiosity of science would awaken the sympathy of morality when discovering life. If we have no regard for life on earth, we would have no regard for life in any other planet. Inside man is a natural disposition to dominate, to overrule, to overthrow, and to oppress. Columbus, when he discovered land, discovered people. But his fascination for geography only went as far as him being fascinated with the land. He was not thrilled about the people he discovered. He was not fascinated with the culture he discovered. He was not in awe when he discovered life on the other side. And I highly doubt man would show any other disposition if he had found life on Mars. 
as if our fascination in astronomy, geography, and cosmology would lead to a sincere desire for brotherhood. Wherever life is found in those premises, I believe humans would murder citizens of Mars if there were life found there. I believe man would rob Mars of its culture if they found life there. I believe man would try to colonize and enslave rather than sympathize and embrace life. Man's discovery has only led to bloodshed, war, and revolutions. No man discovers a land only to share it. No man discovers new territory only to negotiate. He will conquer the land, kill the people, and destroy the culture. He will not be intrigued with the new way of living. He would not be intrigued with its culture. He would not seek agreement or seek to coexist, but would rather enforce his will, his views, and his power to have his own way. It is in the record of humanity that man will always seek to discover everything in this world but how to love the very inhabitants of it. He will ever be at all with nature but at war with man. We don't know how to deal with issues on earth so who are we to find a solution in another planet? If we all can't get a piece of the pie, why bring out the pie in the first place? If we all can't sit at the welcome table, then the table itself shouldn't be welcomed. Life is just not life when it is unjust and unfair. It soon becomes intolerable. You know, the best sermon ever preached was the Sermon on the Mount. Christ spoke to the people who were oppressed. He spoke to the people who were mistreated. He spoke hope into the lives of those who were being robbed of hope in this life. And this is why he says, blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are they who are reviled. Blessed are those who are oppressed. Blessed are those who are hated for righteousness sake. You see, justice is blind 
But we don't serve a God that is blind to injustice. You know, there was an observation I've recently made. The other day I went for a walk in nature. And as I returned home from this walk, passing by neighborhoods, and I noticed that there were signs. Almost on every corner, neighborhood signs of missing dogs. You know, missing Daisy, signs of missing Pepper, signs of, have you seen Rocky? And as I see these missing signs, I notice that something is missing. That on every corner where I see these signs of missing dogs, I begin to realize there's no signs of missing people. There's no signs of missing children. There's no signs of missing teenagers, missing adults, no signs of missing humans. And usually when you see these signs, you would see a reward if found. Sometimes a hundred, a few more hundred dollars, or even thousands of dollars in regards to the animals. But how much more should our search be for human beings whose lives were paid with the blood of God? How much more should be an earnest search for such souls? Jesus says, which one of you, you had a hundred sheep and one would astray, would not leave the ninety-nine and get it? And Christ said, verily I say unto you, that there is more rejoicing in the kingdom over one soul, over the ninety-nine who needeth not repentance. You have scientists, archaeologists, biologists, astronomists. You have NASA looking for life on the moon. And we can't even find life on Earth. You try finding missing artifacts of humans, dinosaurs, ancient civilizations, carbon dating of a hundred years, billions, and leaving back thousands of years. And we can't even find a person who was missing a month ago. Social justice is not left in the hands of social movements. Social justice is in the hand of divine justice. God has his eyes on every sparrow. God paid a price for every soul. God knows the number of every hair. He knows every number of hair that falls to the ground. You know, in cold cases, a strand of hair at the scene is an evidence that can make or break a case. 
It can be used to prosecute in a trial and possibly decide it. God knows every number of our hairs. This means that God has every evidence to every case. He says that not even a hair falls without his notice. So how much more do you think God is aware when one of his children falls without being armed? How much more do you think God is aware when one disappears without notice? How much more do you think God is aware when one is prosecuted without evidence? He that messes with them messes with him. God's throne stands on the theme of justice. The courts of God rises above the supreme courts of our nations. Vengeance belongs to God. And he longs to bring justice. The only comfort I have in my trials here is that I will get a fair one in the courts above. And in this court, there is no tampering with evidence. You don't need arcade quality camera recordings. You don't need body cameras or police recordings. God has eyes. God has ears. And God keeps records. You look God in the eye, you're staring into the eyes of your own soul into the thoughts of your own heart and into the chambers of your own mind. It is impossible to behold a just God without seeing just how unjust we are before him. Isaiah said, Lord, woe is me, for I am a man that is undone and a man of unclean lips. No lie can escape his presence. No thief can rob his evidence. No murderer can take his life. If there is anyone who understands injustice, if there is anyone who knows what it means to have an unfair trial, if there is anyone who knows what it means to be brutally beaten, tried, and killed without causing harm, saying any word, or bearing arm, it would be Christ. Behold, the pure Son of God, betrayed into the hands of evil men, he came to save. Jesus died in the hands of man while doing man the biggest favor. Can you imagine being killed after making your life, a mission to save every life you see. Can you imagine Christ on Calvary, staring into the eyes of mobs, thieves, murderers, heartless men, ready to tear him down in pieces themselves like wild hyenas, yet being fully conscious that with one command, he could split the whole earth, rent the whole universe, 
shut the whole scene down, but he didn't. He kept silent. He endured the pain. He accepted the trial. Can you imagine letting your life be taken by man, knowing that you were the God that gave it to them? No man has ever suffered injustice to the degree and extent of Christ. And therefore he stands at the right hand of God, representing those who are oppressed, those who are afflicted, those who are mistreated, and he's able to secure us all through it all. Jesus says in this life, you will have trials, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. The Bible says, be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Render not to a man what he rendered unto you. Love them that hate you. Pray for them that persecute you, because vengeance is mine. You know, I've learned not to fear the man that takes away life. But I've learned to fear the man who tolerates. I learn to fear the man who's able to show love in the midst of hate. I've learned to fear the man who's able to show courage in silence, to show courage in peace, to show courage in composure and to show courage in love. I've learned not to fear the man who rewards the innocent with evil, but I've learned to fear the man who rewards the evil with forgiveness because I know it takes more of a man to forgive a man than it does to take away another man's life. And this is what Christ teaches because a man who does this lives like Jesus. A man who does this reflects the greatest man to live on this earth. And Christ says, Behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according to his deeds. Hold fast until I come. Yet a little while, and there shall be no more tears, no more sorrows, no more pain, never crying again. But we will sing praises unto the risen Lamb and have the right to the tree of life. Therefore, we can take comfort in our trials here because we know we will get a fair one above and then have recess forevermore. God bless and until next time.